Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Bedros Koulian, founder of Fit Body Bootcamp and author of Man Up. Hey, this is Jay Papazan, co-author of The One Thing. Hey, this is Elena Cardone from The G&E Show. And if you want to sharpen the skills of networking. And if you want to learn how to build relationships the right way. And if you want to build your empire. You should listen to Build Your Network Podcast. Build Your Network Podcast. Build Your Network. With my good friend. Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network podcast. Today is another compilation episode. Uh, we're in the middle of a series about mentorship and masterminds, and there's been some tremendous value being given so far, and I can't wait to share today's episode with you all. But first, you hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on the show, obviously, especially with these, uh, these last few compilation episodes that have been going out. If this is a new term to you or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is, you're definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons, and it's 100% free. So there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to freemmcourse.com slash enroll to grab that course and start today. This is one of the most frequently asked questions that I get is, hey, Travis, what is a mastermind? You talk about masterminds all the time. I don't really know exactly what that is or what, like, where do I find one? Who leads them? All those different types of questions. If any of those have ever come up in your head, just head over to freemmcourse.com slash enroll to grab that course and start today. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another compilation episode here on the Build Your Network podcast. These have quickly turned into a fan favorite. I actually um, really like them myself. Really bite-sized content delivered to you directly about a certain topic that you may or may not be interested in learning more about. So today is going to be the first time we've ever just done a solo break-off of a series. So it's not going to be a series. It's just one episode, and it's all about having the right mindset. So today we're going to be featuring Elena Cardone, who is an all-around badass woman entrepreneur that is the queen of the Cardone empire. And uh, if you've never heard her speak in person, highly recommend going to an event and hearing her talk. Um, the stuff that she puts out there is amazing. Go buy her book, Build Your Empire, I believe it's called, Build an Empire. Elena's just got some awesome things. And plus, she's been a really great friend to me during this whole process of podcasting. Just a giver and and uh, such a great person, but also gives out amazing, amazing content. So we have Elena Cardone, and then it's going to be Bedros Koulian, who is the CEO and founder of Fitbody Bootcamp, one of the nation's fastest growing franchises. And uh, he basically took that company from nothing to what it is now, which is over $100 million in revenue. They're growing all the time. I think over 800 franchises across the country now and actually in different parts of the world as well. So Bedros is an awesome guy, put out a, a book recently called Man Up, which is also a fantastic book. So then we have uh, Elena, then we have Bedros. And now the last person that we're featuring on this episode is Jay Papazan, who is the co-author of The One Thing along with Gary Keller. He's also the VP of Keller Williams Realty, the largest real estate agency in the whole world. So Elena, Bedros, Jay, all three amazing people talking about how to have the right mindset. So it's not a series, it's just one episode, but it is jam-packed with amazing content and I promise you're going to want to tune in. But First, really quickly, before we get into that, I want to let you all know that I recently opened up a few more VIP day slots in my calendar. So if podcasting or networking are on the top of your priority list for 2019, this is the most valuable investment that I have available. You'll fly out here to Vegas, spend a full day with me one-on-one, either to help you launch your podcast or build a foolproof networking strategy for you for the rest of the year. The whole experience is catered to you in terms of what we cover and even where we're going to eat all the meals together and all that kind of stuff. Plus, I give VIP day guests access to a few key people in my network who I've invested tens of thousands of dollars and countless hours into building relationships with. So since opening up super recently, the four spots I had opened sold out already. So now I'm opening up to four more people. So if you're interested in this experience at all, head over to travischapel.com slash coaching to apply. And hopefully I will see you here in Vegas really soon. And now here is The Right Mindset with Elena Cardone, Bedros Koulian, and Jay Papazan. So one thing that I find really fascinating about your whole brand is, I mean, your book's right here, Man Up. This is actually, when this episode releases, this will be coming out tomorrow. So definitely go grab a copy of that. You have a book called Man Up. You talk a lot about facing struggle head on. You talk a lot about running into pain. And that's all stuff that I personally am kind of always been on board with. I'm more that whole like man up mentality. But then I also find this other segment of society that talks a lot about doing the inner work and working on yourself on the inside. And I feel like they're usually opposing forces, right? Like there's this side of, of men that are like, you know, like, no, like, you know, when, when you say man up, they get all offended and it's like, oh, I just want to be my, myself or whatever and right. blah, 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 whatever, right. whatever they say, right? right? But then you have this other segment that's like, man up, don't ever talk about your feelings. Like, don't be vulnerable. Like, that's not what a man does, you know? Yeah. And so I find really fascinating. Like, I've obviously prepared a lot for this and listened to a lot of different interviews. One of the more fascinating ones I listened to was one with Aubrey Marcus, where you talk a lot about some of the inner work that you've done to allow yourself to get to the point that you are. 
But then you still have this other thing of like, all right, man up, like face the challenge head on, like be a man about it. And I find it really fascinating. And it's something, it's something I really, really respect about you. Can you talk about how to balance those two like sure. inner opposing forces? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. See, that's the thing. I think too many people look at it through the wrong lens of that these are opposing forces, mm -hmm. right? In fact, if I want to do the self-work, the inner work, the deep work, yeah. I have to man up and face the demons. I have to man up and face my childhood molestation that happened to me. I have to man up and face the fact that racist people were telling me to go back to my own country, you foreigner. I have to man up and face the fact that I was a horrible leader in 2013 and Fit Body Bootcamp franchise almost went out of business. I had to man up and have the most uncomfortable conversations with the people in my business who were a bad fit, but I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Mm. And so I didn't know how to communicate with them. Mm. And so manning up isn't like this tough guy, bravado, macho thing. Man up is stop making excuses, take control of your situation, and rise to your potential. You see it in movies and TV shows, sitcoms all the time. It's like, hey, bro, dude, man up and go after the girl of your dreams. Hey, bro, man up and ask your boss for that raise that you deserve. And so there's a segment of the population that thinks it's a gender-specific thing. They go, well, I right. want a woman up. Here's what man up means. Human, right? Mm. I believe as humans... We are top of the food chain. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Like we're top of the food chain. Yeah. Yet I can go out in the parking lot here with the camera guys here and you, and we can look in people's cars and you're going to see burger wrappers. You're going to see empty soda cans. You're going to see a car that looks like a dumpster. Mm -hmm. And the reason these cars look like that, because these people are living subpar. Mm. If you're human and you're top of the food chain, why are you living like a animal? And if you've got a few pounds to lose, why don't you lose those to set a great example for your kids? If you're cheating on your spouse, why don't you stop cheating on your spouse so that you can set a great example for your kids mm -hmm. who are eventually going to find out anyway, or you're not going to feel like an imposter or a cheat. 
All those things are manning up because people go, yeah, but I was in a hurry so I couldn't wash my car, clean my car out. Yeah, I don't have time to work out. Man up, stop making excuses, take control of your situation and rise to your potential as a human. Yeah, and yeah. so whether you're woman or man, rise to your potential. That's what Man Up is about. Yeah, and is, is this a lot of the kind of stuff that you go through in the book? Absolutely, and it's the six pillars of leadership that will help anybody kick ass in business and in life because, in fact, the very first pillar is about the inner work. It's mm. about self-discipline. Yeah. Become a self-disciplined human where you actually overcome the internal obstacles, the mental obstacles, discuss with a therapist if you have to. I talk about going to see a therapist in there, mm -hmm. right? Working with the therapist and going through the dark shit that I had to suppress for years. Right. Like you got to first man up and do pillar number one, self-discipline, before you can communicate, get clarity of vision, build a strong team and, and all this, you know, decisiveness and all the other stuff I talk about in there. Right. So when you were at that position and you were trying to, you really figured out that, hey man, I got I just got a bunch of stuff in here that I, I really got to get out. How long did it take you before you actually took action on that and sat down and said, hey, man, can you help me with some of this? Good question. In uh, 2013, when I said I was a horrible leader and our Fit Body Bootcamp franchise was actually losing more money. It's funny, right? Because in 2008, 2009, the economy mm -hmm. crashes and I start building Fit Body Bootcamp with the intentions of making this great franchise. And I go all in. I take all the financial risks. But because I was an ineffective leader, as we grew the franchise and my leadership didn't grow, my leadership became the lid of my success, right? Like mm -hmm. I was kept butting up and hitting this glass ceiling. And so before you know it, the franchise is growing. My leadership abilities are not. I'm unable to lead a growing franchise. I was able to grow a small franchise. It started to implode on itself. And it wasn't until I started to really focus on building my inner skills. And so in 2013, well, I should say by now, by 2014, I had this massive anxiety attack, dude. Travis, it was so bad that I thought it was a heart attack. And I talk about it, and I call it, the chapter's called The Morning of My Heart Attack. <laughs> and I'm 38 at the time, or 37, and I'm like, I die of a heart attack like this? Like, <laughs> the fitness guy dies of a heart attack? Like, this is a- You're envisioning the headlines. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> and as it turns out, thankfully, it wasn't a heart attack. I went to the doctor, and he explained to me that you just had a massive panic attack. Ironically, I had a whole bunch more to follow. And it wasn't until I decided to man up mm. and because I felt like an imposter, anxiety, I always hung out with my friend anxiety, right? I always, and I, when I got a therapist in 2015, so there was about a year and a half between the time I felt mm. the first anxiety attack yeah. and I got the therapist about a year and a half. And the first thing the therapist teaches me, his name is Kevin. Listen, you're getting, you're getting anxiety attacks because you're living in a state of anxiety all the time. I go, what does the state of anxiety look like? Yeah. Simple. Anticipation of future pain. So if we're always anticipating future pain. Well, what was one of my anticipation of future pains? I had a business partner, a Fit Body Bootcamp. He was a great human, a good guy, funny as hell, made me laugh, but horrible at running the business with me. <laughs> horrible, just awful. Like I felt like I was, we were not equally yoked. I was doing 80% of the work. He was doing 20, maybe, mm -hmm. right? And I'm being generous. And so, but I He's liked- comic relief. Yes, <laughs> but I liked him so much. I didn't know how to have the conversation with yeah, him. So totally. the anticipation of future pain was, what is he going to do next to screw up the business, right? Mm -hmm. I was kept anticipating future pain that he was going to deliver. It wasn't until manning up, that I had to have the uncomfortable conversation with him, which I would have never had. Because I'm a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But when I had that conversation, it was a sense of relief for him. And it was this another layer of anxiety gone. And before you know it, one man-up conversation at a time, I no longer deal with anxiety and I sleep well at night.
Do you find that your ability to handle tough conversations directly affects your level of success? Absolutely. Your ability to communicate during the toughest, ugliest times is in direct correlation with success or failure. And do you feel like a lot of that came from your therapist sitting down with you and like walking you through, mm -hmm. like, hey, this is what's happening, man. Like you're obviously doing this, which is creating this. And then through that process, like do you, do you still see the same guy or did yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, it's, I went to him every Monday at 6 p.m. for 16 months. Now I see him about once a month for okay. a little checkup from the neck up, if you right, will, right. right? A third party in my life who isn't necessarily invested in my life in a way that my wife and family right. and you mm -hmm. know, team members are. And so he'll give me this like objective view on yeah. things. What I love most is we would role play, dude. In that time, we would role play. I'd be like, well, listen, I don't think you understand. Me and my business partner, like our families are friends. Mm -hmm. And so what if I say, hey, we should part ways and then our families can't be friends. He goes, well, let's role play. I'll be him, you be you. And so we would role play. And then we'd go the other way. He was me and I was him, mm -hmm. right? All of a sudden, as we're role playing, he goes, you learn new tools, right? It's funny that people see coaches or personal trainers, mm -hmm. you know, mentors for their business, coaches in athletics, personal trainers for their fat loss, yet we don't seek a therapist to deal with our innermost Upness yeah. <laughs> and and inability to communicate, yeah. right? Because right. mom and dad didn't teach us how to communicate, and so we don't know yeah. how to communicate. A therapist will role play with you, and all of a sudden, dude, I knew how to talk to my wife, mm -hmm. I knew how to talk to my employees, I knew how to talk to my business partner, and it made life so much easier when I've already role played it with someone, know the outcome, and yeah. I can come and have that conversation with you. Why do you think it took you so long in that year and a half time frame between like the first panic attack until you were like, all right, I gotta go check, I gotta go check out. Well, you know, working with a therapist is kind of has this negative connotation, doesn't that's it? What I, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, tough guy. Nothing's wrong right, with me. As right. it turns out, everything yeah. was wrong with me. As it turns out, everything's wrong with everyone. Because right. then I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And that book, I forget the author's name, but if someone can Google it and find it. The Body Keeps the Score talks about one out of every four people have had sexual abuse in their life. Wow. And that causes a massive amount of trauma. One out of every three people have had some kind of physical, emotional, mental abuse. Hmm. Leaves the same amount of scarring trauma in your brain. Like when they do the CAT scan on the brain of people yeah. who have been raped or molested or physically beaten or emotionally abused, same part of the brain lights up. Wow. Well, that trauma creates lens. We see the world in a twisted fashion, right? Yeah. All of a sudden for me, I didn't trust guys because I was molested by two older boys, right? I didn't trust guys. So imagine how our relationship would have been five years ago if you met me. Right. It would have been very different than it is today, where now all I want to do is, hey man, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Back then, I was a person of service, but like I was always like, watch out, what's Travis is going to do? It's always you against everybody else. Yes, exactly. Right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was a negative connotation, but the alternative was what? Keep having anxiety attacks? Keep taking NyQuil and Vicodin to fall asleep at night. And actually have a heart attack, maybe. And actually right. maybe have a heart attack by the time I'm 40. Mm -hmm. So I said, man, I'm going to go see a therapist. And I didn't talk about it. Yeah. It wasn't until a year later that, like, Sean Stevenson, Model Health Show, he's interviewing me. Mm -hmm. And I actually mentioned, I go, Kevin, my therapist. And I felt okay with it. And I just started, <laughs> blah, just all came out. <laughs> and now I've become, like, this poster boy of entre tough guy entrepreneurs who can go see therapists. Yeah. 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 And how it's, like, totally fine and actually really good for you. Not a damn thing wrong with it. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> I love the way that you broke down the billion dollar mark because I think it's such, 
I think a lot of people look at that amount of money and they just, the first thing that pops into their mind is greed. And this is something that Grant teaches on a lot, which is getting rid of that mindset that money is bad and that if you're rich, you're a bad person, that kind of a thing. And so I like what you said about, I know that if he made a billion dollars, if he actually got that money from people, that that is directly correlated to the amount of people that he's been able to help in the world. And that was such a fantastic way to look at it because I think that that is such a limiting belief for most people. So why do you think, Elena, that a lot of people won't allow themselves to look at numbers like that? You know, it's a mindset. It's where we grew up. I grew up in New Orleans, you know. (laughs) I hung out. I was a little street rat in the French Quarter, you know. I'm not supposed to be thinking this way about money. I didn't. We were taught to turn the lights out and to eat the food and to not waste water. And I mean, everything came from a scarcity and there's not enough and always worried about money. And it's just, I think that's where it comes from. I think people are just not used to being able to have things. The haveability is small. And, you know, I was a, a little punk rock chick and you know, we thought people with money were greedy and mm-hmm. I had to completely rework everything that I thought, but you know, it's out there. You've heard everything about people with money. You've heard yeah. all the same things that I have. And a billion dollars is even embarrassing saying, cause immediately I want to defend it or right. not have people think I'm just in it for the material things, which, yeah, exactly. which I'm not. It's interesting, Travis, because the more money that we've had, the less need or desire I've had for things. But it might not look like that because I still like my Chanel. I still like traveling (laughs) in our private plane. But it's like, I don't need those things to make me who I am or or fit in or identify with who I am. I am me. I want to help people. And that's, people can believe it or not believe it, but that's who I am. That's the more money that we have, the more good we can do and we can help more people. I'm just going to be more comfortable in a nicer plane getting around the globe, being able to do that for people. Right, right. It just facilitates your ability to help others. Yeah. I mean, that's really what we're all about. Like, I mean, I don't need a billion dollars to just go wear a $100,000 Chanel suit and some furs and some heels and go attend some foo-foo parties and ha- make stupid conversation with people like that does not interest me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's so much about that that we could dive into. And honestly, Grant's been a huge proponent for the way that I think about it now, um, listening to his podcast and the content he puts out there, because it is taboo, you know, to say like, I want to get rich one day, or I want to be rich, and I want to have money. Like it, it's such, you're just taught to have this, that exactly what you said, Elena, the scarcity mindset from such a young age that, oh, we don't have enough this, we don't have enough that, you have to conserve this, you have to clip these coupons to save money here and do this and that. So just literally shifting your mindset to thinking a different way about it can open up an entirely new world of possibilities. A little bit earlier, you were talking about travel and about how much, how you were open to new perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important to note because I don't think that everybody goes into it with that idea. So they might go to somewhere that would have a different perspective. Like you were saying, Bill Clinton is being elected and where you were from, not a lot of supporters. Maybe where you were, there could have been a lot more. But some people that go into that have the mindset of, no, 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 I'm right. I feel conflict. I don't like it. I'm going back to Tennessee. Do you think that it is just a mindset shift or a personality thing? Like, what do you think? Mindset. I don't think that's like a a genetic thing. That's definitely a nurture thing. I think some people are more comfortable with change than others or more open to change. Okay. 
We've got two kids, one that would try everything and one person that wouldn't let their foods touch each other. <laughs> and it's a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture, yeah. but like I kind of was the kid that didn't let their food touch each other. And now I'm the person that mixes it all up. And I think we all can evolve and open up. And I saw some people join us abroad and very quickly kind of let their barriers down and see things from a new perspective. And I saw people who went into protective mode. Mm. I think part of that comes from if you spend a lot of your days reading books, it's one of the ways that you get to see new worlds through someone else's eyes. Mm. And I can remember as part of that curiosity bug, right, is going and I love to read novels based on where I'm traveling. Got it. Right. I don't read history books on where I'm traveling, but I can read novels because I like to pick up those extra bits. But I can remember my college roommate, a guy named Scott, we became obsessed about being writers. And most writers experience the world passively, right? That's the whole idea of reading the book. That's a passive way to travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we became obsessed with writers that also, like Hemingway, they went and fought in a war. And mm. like, yeah. we've, yeah. so pretty early on, I kind of wanted the mix of, I wanted to explore. I was going to do some through books, but I was absolutely going to do some with my feet. Got it. Got it. So you were definitely combination of fiction and nonfiction growing up or all fiction all fiction yeah it wasn't until pretty much i started working with gary that i really actively started reading much nonfiction. okay so did you have an idea that you were going to write anything nonfiction? no okay i didn't i thought i might edit it i did a lot of editing around that when i was in new york and i developed some skills around that how was that experience it's great it's eye-opening i got to see the business the business book world up close and from the inside Mm -hmm. Like a lot of things, I appreciated it more with distance. Okay. Yeah. We called it the salt mine, HarperCollins, because they made editorial assistants do everything. Yeah. And in retrospect, I got to do everything. Right. Right. So I got right. to negotiate contracts. I got to guide books through production. I got to oversee copy editing. I got to write copy for books. I got to edit books. I got to acquire books. And so it was great because as a future author, I didn't know that then, mm-hmm. I got to see the whole process. Mm-hmm. So during that time period, was that, something that was ideal for you? Or was it just like, I, I want to get a job. I want to learn more about this. So no, I'll I wanted take the to first work in books and publishing seemed like the dream job. Okay. And it's great. When you're in New York City, I had friends that worked in music and like we worked in books and like they would send me CDs and I would give them free books. And, mm. you know, a lot of those jobs in New York, we call them um, high prestige, low pay. Okay. Because a lot of people wanted to work in publishing because they love books. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a line of PhDs outside the door willing to take your job for less, they don't ever pay you very much. <laughs> and so it was that. tough to live in New York City doing those jobs, but you also got to go to book parties and meet authors. And yeah. if you're a book nerd, that's great. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free. So there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.